Chapter 47, The Price of a Ship. Yeah, big change up. We leave the battle and go to Samara. Yeah, we're back with uh, Nynaeve. And again, real fucking comedy here. There are some really solid moments of like, oh no, this is really fun. Um, so it's been, so Nynaeve and Elaine have been kind of uh, quarantining essentially in their. Uh, wagon because of a lot of the shit that's going down tomorrow with the prophet and the white cloaks um she's ha- been having really bad stress dreams about not being able to find a boat or if they do mogedian or elida is in saladar um and also in her dreams that Egwene has been like popping up and kind of harassing her which is just Egwene's ability to pop into people's dreams mm-hmm. but she's kind of just like no it's a dream we're mm-hmm. good um Again, a good funny moment of Egwene and Elaine, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine's cabin fever. Um, Nynaeve is brushing her teeth and trying to talk to Elaine, and she's like, "Stop talking! I hate that." And then Nynaeve turns it on her clo- onto Elaine's clothes. She's dressed in her tightrope outfit, and she goes, "If you're going to dress in that fashion, Elaine, you should not sit so. It's indecent." The other woman glowered sullenly, but she did put her slippered feet on the floor and raised her chin in that haughty way she had. I think I may take a walk into town this morning, she said coolly, still working at the braid. This wagon is confining. Rinsing her mouth, Nynaeve spat into the washbowl loudly. Like, it is so great. I'm like, 2020, 2021 mood. Yeah, it's it's very, very prescient. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So then... Uh, Elaine tells Nynaeve that I dreamed about Egwene last night and between going on, going on, goings on about Rand and the Kyrian, I worry about what is happening there, even if you do not. In between, she said you were turning into a screaming harridan. Not that I think so, necessarily. I would have said a fishmonger. Now you listen to me, you ill-tempered little chit, if you don't. And then, um, we kind of get, like, where we are in the timeline. It's the next day after, uh, the Battle of Battle Kyrian. Kyrian. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think they are all caught up with what Rand is doing. They know about the Shanshan spear and all that. Um, Elaine brings up the idea of wanting to experiment more in Teleranrion to kind of do what Egwene is doing. Um, and Nynaevis says no because she's worried about encountering Mogedian. Mm-hmm. Aren't you real fear? Yeah. We, like, saw, we, saw, we saw what Mogedian can do. Um, and she is... Uh, uh, we kind of get a little bit of introspection from Nynaeve as she kind of thinks of why she... Her motivation for changing, for leaving the two rivers has changed. She goes, uh, Sometimes it seemed to Nynaeve that she had forgotten why she had left the two rivers in the first place. To protect young people from her village who had been caught in Aes Sedai webs. Not that much younger than herself, only a few years, yet the gap seemed wider when you were the village wisdom. Of course, the wisdom circle in Edmund's Field had certainly chosen a new wisdom by now, but that did not make it less her village or them less her people. In her heart of hearts, it made her no less the wisdom. Somehow, though, protecting Rand and Egwene and Matt and Perrin from Aes Sedai had become helping them survive, and finally, without her realizing when or how... Even that goal had been submerged into other needs. Entering the White Tower to learn how to entering the White Tower to learn how better to pull down Moraine had become a burning desire to learn how to heal. Even her hatred for Aes Sedai meddling in people's lives now coexisted with her desire to become one. 
Not that she really wanted to, but it was the only way to learn what she wanted to learn. Everything had become as tangled as one of those Aes Sedai webs, herself included, and she did not know how to escape. Again, I think they're all realizing that this whole thing is more complicated than they realize. Mm-hmm. It's not the stories, it's not the poems, it's not the songs. Like, yeah. You're actually in it and a part of it. It's complicated. And no- Yeah, and nothing is ever as black and white as mm-hmm. you once thought. They thought they were going to the White Tower and getting it done, and look where they are a year so later. So far away. Yeah. But it's like, no matter what, Nynaeve's thing is still the same. Her motivation is to protect the people. Like, at her base, it's just protecting people. Mm-hmm. A woman like you once, Mathena, looked down her nose at men too, and even had a poor fellow executed for coming on her by accident while she swam naked. Uh, she had never even kissed until Zeres stole one from her. You'd have thought she had discovered men for the first time. She was so besotted, Zeres had to live on a mountain to escape her. And it took me a second. I'm like, Mathena. Oh, Athena. And the, the man being executed, I kind of was the story of Artemis turning that one dude into a deer when he came upon her naked. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But I'm like, wait, those are two completely different things. Uh, but it's all, like, analogous. Yeah. And, you know, inspired. But I, th- I mean, also in that case, Brigitta is Artemis. Mm-hmm. Represents the Huntress, for sure. And Ceres is Zeus and Ares, mm-hmm. and him living on the mountain is Mount Olympus. Yep. So it's that really interesting thing of it's like... Well, and in this world, too, did these people actually exist? Are these not just stories and parables yeah. from our world? Are these a different age of legends and heroes? Legend fades to myth, mm-hmm. you know? So Percy Jackson, in theory, could exist in this world. Canon. Yeah. Um, Elaine kind of breaks up the fight and just in time for Brigitte to tell them Tob and Julian have been in Samara. They're very badly beat up. Mm-hmm. Um Masima's followers are causing trouble and there are fires burning and Julian decides that they have to leave as soon as possible. And Nene's like, well, what about a boat? And everyone's like, you're fucking insane. Uh, Uno arrives and says that a ship has indeed arrived um, and that he'll take them there. But there are white cloaks fighting the prophet's followers. And uh, Elaine tries to play it smooth by... uh, being like, oh, you guys are so brave, and you know, the Shinars are now renowned for their bravery. And Birgitta adds, 3,000 years guarding the blight, she said gently. Gently. 3,000 years and never a step back, not paid for 10 times over in blood. This may not be Ankara or the Sorel step, but I know what you will do. And Uno, however, the eloquent person says, What did you do? He growled. Read all the flaming histories of the flaming borderlands. Um, I'm digging Uno more and more. I'm happy, he, I'm happy he's getting more stage time. Same. Uno's very fun. And um, Nynaeve becomes the cringe emoji when she realizes, oh, it's so good. Because of her going to Masima and to Galad to get a boat, that has caused the conflicts on the docks because the the water serpent, the river serpent comes, the um, Masima's people come. White cloaks do it because Galad said they need to take it. So um, my name is very much like, like whoopsie daisy. Yeah, <laughs> oopsie poopsies. <laughs> um, Valenluca has also just arrived, and uh, then Valenluca arrives, and again, my name's lack of self introspection. She was like, I don't need these men to tell me what to do. 
I can handle myself. They always have to act like this. As Luca is pulling her away, she thinks, fine men they were to watch a woman being manhandled and do nothing. I'm like, uh, but he tells Nynaeve that he loves her and he wants to have, she, he wants her to have his kids. And she goes, you want to marry me? She said incredulously. Marry? He blinked. Well, uh, yes. It's such a great, like, no girls just trying to fuck. <laughs> Definitely, definitely a move that I, I have not seen and was kind of curious when we were going to get some of this. Yeah, I mean, he finally just kind of, like, went there. And I just need in the TV show, like, as this is happening, my name just turns and everyone is just, like, stone-faced, like... <laughs> Shoot your shot. Yeah. She shoots him down, saying she's betrothed already, and Luca takes her back to her wagon. And, again... Another great moment. Um, Elaine seeks out Sarandon, the Sean Chan woman, because she's like, come with us. And Sarandon's like, no. And Elaine pulls the daughter heir card and says, I'm the daughter heir of Andor, and you will do what I say, essentially. And she tries to roughhouse Sarandon, and in experience, Sarandon take, suffers no fools. Yeah. And um, I think, like, she, like, grabs her arm and... Elaine looks over and Brigitte is just like, like not this helping. Is, this, this is you, dude. This is don't, don't get me involved. And Sarandon says like uh, Elaine would make a good Asa, which is essentially the Sean Chan word for concubine. <laughs> One day, and she says like, "A lord would make you. You would make a good wife, but be a concubine first. And um, Brigitte is like, "You tried so hard and so for so long to give Sarandon a backbone." That now you want to take it from her by being a bully. And uh, she uh, says to Brigitte, you just stood there and watched her. You were supposed to be my my warder. You are supposed to help defend me when I cannot channel. And Brigitte says, I will defend you when you are in danger. But if the danger is only of being turned over someone's knee because you've behaved like a spoiled child, I will have to decide whether it's better to let you learn a lesson that might save you the same or worse another time. Telling you you are heir to a throne, really. If you are going to be Aes Sedai, you had better start practicing how to bend the truth, not break it into shards. Elaine screams out in frustration, which ends the chapter with this great line for Brigida. Was that a cry for help, Brigida said, tilting her head, or are you hungry? I suppose I could find a wet nurse. I love this dynamic that Brigida has with both Nynaeve and Elaine. It's kind of like she humbles them a little bit. She kind of fits right in as a puzzle piece for what they need. And yeah. I think it's funny because we've detached Egwene from this group who is doing fine on yeah. her own. Yeah. She, she's going to be a queen bee. But these two are still growing in their ways and especially yes. in their own personal character ways. Like they have their shortcomings. They have their growth that they're still going to have. And Brigitte is fast becoming probably like in my top five just favorite characters she is solid and so um we have chapter 48 leave takings uh the symbol is the white cloak sun this is a really short one mm-hmm. um uh, my name is packing up she thinks she hears a scream um and uh elaine comes in they finish packing they say goodbye to everyone in the menagerie val and luca hands a night a flowers which she's just like fuck um, and they make their way into Samara when a mob comes down the street and the big thing, Elaine and Nynaeve channel. Yep. And we, you know, from past experience know that that's like, you know, a flare Ex- for, for, for dark friends yeah. and, and forsaken. But their big fear of attracting Mogedian doesn't seem to have worked. Only 
attacking the mm-hmm. mob, which they watch Galad fight, and he's amazing. Yeah, and I liked, I did put a little note here that, uh, you know, because Galad, I think, is very easy to kind of write off a little yeah. bit, you know, just as however you want to be. But there's, <laughs> there's some cool... It, it, there's some cool imagery here in, yeah. in this text that I really enjoyed, and and I maybe I'm just a sucker for sword play, like anything in the vein of a cool sword fight I'm yeah. all for, and and getting to see him in action, it's kind of like, oh, you're not a pushover, yeah, you got some skills, you know, I, I see him rising up the ranks of the white cloaks. Oh, interesting. As well, all right, you think this is like his little like origin story? I think so. Like, all right, I, I think it's gonna be a bit of because like I think we're seeing so many ways of characters kind of splitting from each other going on their you know journeys for the time and then rejoining and stuff yeah so i think this is a bit of a i knew him when instance mm. like he's helping them and stuff and then next time they meet it's going to be drastically different interesting do you think he's going to get involved with the parents stuff or do you think that's kind of out of the way for oh him? man i mean it's out of the way enough but everything is connected yeah. so yeah okay yeah Setting that as your firm prediction? Yeah. All right. Uh, So this uh, sort of chapter ends. They get to the docks, and it really triggers some emotional memories for Nynaeve of seeing the people at Tanchico who were just wanting a way out. And so she manages to talk the very misogynistic uh, captain, uh, Neris, into taking the refugees on. Mm -hmm. He calls the women wenches. And Galad tells Elena Nynaeve that he's only let the paid their way. I think I have the map. No, I don't. Uh, ascent only so far. Right. So it's a very limited yeah. excursion. <laughs> and so he says you'll have to make your way to Caimon by yourselves. And he warns them to stay away from Randall Thor. And there is a moment between Nynaeve and Elaine where they go think he might know that we're really not going to Camelin, but it's kind of out of his hands. Mm-hmm. But they never get confirmation. Yep. So then we go to chapter nine, to Boanda. So that's how you pronounce that. I'm just guessing, but yes. Um, so the journey goes for five days. And uh, in that time, we find out, like, I think this is day one. The men went behind her backs to get Nerys' cabin for themselves, which she isn't happy, but they say, fine. And then they find out Nerys is a smuggler. And um, that does not go over well. Yeah. Um, it's funny because Elaine isn't happy. And Nynaeve's like, we bailed Dolman. And, and Elaine's like, it's still not right. And Nynaeve's like, I won't say it. But she's kind of like a lad in that. Um, so there's not a lot of room, especially for the refugees. And so Elaine kind of goes, boy. It sure would be a shame if, like, the collectors at the near at Boanda saw all this illegal shit that you got. So they have to throw all of his smuggled goods mm-hmm. off the ship to make room for the refugees. Um, yeah, this solidifies nearest like hates women, right. like doesn't let the crew talk to the women. He has family in Abu Dhar, but he doesn't even see them i'm like and on the flip side like i think we're getting a lot of spotlight on nynaeve and elaine and how different they are because whereas nynaeve would go just kind of like you know head to head and with force 
Elaine understands that social and political maneuvering. Yeah. She knows how to play it slick. And yeah. when we get to we get these like just beautiful moments, like we get we get Nynaeve's like lines that are very quotable. Yes. And we get Elaine's actions that very much just show her the woman that she is becoming in her strengths at yeah. play. And I think it is this, like, she knows how to play the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Nynaeve needs that. Yeah. You know? No, they complement each other because they each fill out their shortcomings. Yes. Um, so then, uh, Nynaeve finds out that Elaine's been using air to kind of push them along. And so to avoid trouble with Neris, the women have decided to keep a smiling face to the, which leads to the most passive-aggressive conversation where they're like, oh, you thought this was a good idea. And, like, we get, like, the men think, oh, they're getting along. Well, all the women are just like, you fools. Yeah. <laughs> but they eventually, like, calm down. Their anger sort of relents, mostly because of the children, you know? Right. No, there's a softness to it. There is a... There's a new dynamic and dimension here, too, with bringing on these refugees. Because yeah. I do think Robert Jordan does a great job of not just glorifying war and glorifying wartime, but really kind of showing the bits and pieces, even in a fantasy world, of the far-reaching effects and ripples that it yeah. has. You know, when you have these big people maneuvering, when you have these big movers being moved, sometimes the people at the lower end are affected the most. Yeah. And, I mean, again, it is this very sweet section of the girls being hanging with the kids, Elaine giving sneaking candy. Mm-hmm. I love the time of uh, Nynaeve healing Uno, but, like, kind of, like, bandaging him. And then doing the rest of the kids and kind of saying, well, the parents aren't going to believe them if they say they felt weird, you know? Yeah, even just, like, before, like, like Nynaeve is, is understanding a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, not being obtuse. Like, she's learning how to kind of, like work in whispers in a way she's yeah she, i'm seeing a bit of an isodai side to her yeah isodai the isodai is creeping in mm-hmm. i feel like she's starting to realize there's a little bit more push and pull to this world yeah. um so amidst the joy with the kids she could see among the adults there's a lot more like the men are trying to do this like you know maybe this is a chance to start over and there is one man that one night drowned himself, but Nynaeve goes, I really hope he swam ashore. And like, so then we come across three women who round out the rest of this episode. More names. Nicola, whose fiance had joined the prophet, and one he said, once my duty to the dragon's over, we'll get married. And then he got killed with an axe to the head. Merrigan, who has two sons. She was a, essentially a wisdom in Samara, but... The, she got accused of being an Aes Sedai when she healed a man's fever, but rumors spread that she had brought him back from the dead, which is ridiculous because you can't do that. And then uh, Ariana, whose brother had joined the Hunters of the Horn, and she just ended up getting swept in the craziness. Um, so yeah, they carry over into uh, the Saladar thing, but... Um, my god, yeah, this chapter's long. This chapter was long-winded um, no pun intended about the winds and the sails and so trying to like like try to sum, sum it up as much as possible um Brigitte finds out that elaine is actually the daughter heir of andor and Brigitte starts going by her true name uh they make it to boana on the third day mm-hmm. some of the refugees stay off but the three women stay 
Um, and there's a fun little callback with uh, Nerissus complaining about going to Saladar. Nynaeve uses the power to pinch his neck and hip and blames it on horse flies. And Brigida had done the same thing to Julin. Um, they go to that night. She goes. Nynaeve goes into Teleranriad, tries to see Egwene. Egwene's not there. She breaks down sobbing. Oh my God, I'm such a coward. But Brigitte and Elaine say no. Elaine, in a bit of solidarity, say we'll go together. And she uses one of the Terangriel from uh, Tanshiko to right when they're hunting the, the black edge. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so they go to Camelin, and um, Nynaeve's like, okay, I get why Elaine is the way she is now. And we go to the two rivers. Yeah, we so do. we see a three-story house is being built. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's for our? Uh... Oh, absolutely. That's that's Perrin's like. That's his key. That's his doghouse. Yeah, absolutely, that's the <laughs> doghouse. Uh, I, I. It was very nice to at least get the little nudge of like we didn't forget him. Yeah. There's just a lot of ground to cover, quite literally. Yeah. And especially in the because uh, we're in chapter forty nine here, the past, you know. Yeah, six chapters were all ideal waste for the most part before we switched into this. So to get the little nudge of like, don't worry, stuff's happening in the two yeah. rivers. Uh, I'm a little worried. Mm. A little worried for the next book because, you know, with like this little seedling of, of there's growth, like quite literally metaphorically yeah. growth in the two rivers. It used to be such a peaceful place and now it's going to become a central yeah. point of conflict, I think. Yeah, because... Nynaeve sees there's more houses being built mm-hmm. and she sees the wolf head banner and the red eagle of Manetherin and a stone memorial to those lost in the two rivers battle which I don't think she even knows about stuff is changing we might be seeing a different two rivers from mm-hmm. what we've known because it has to have been a couple months since at, at least because enough time for that house to be built for mm-hmm. The monolith and all of that. I was thinking about even like the I.O. pilgrimage that happened. I mean, crossing the the whole waste from Meridian to to Kyrian. Because I think that's been, it's, for Rand's perspective, it's been two months. Mm -hmm. With Perrin, we don't really know. I think there's somewhere they charted the timelines that I'm like, I don't know. They go to Elida's study. There's only six people left in Elida's, like, initial, like, party. Right. Um, the triptych of Bondwin, the Red, Omerlin's Seed, who had uh, been stilled because of Arthur Hawkwing, is gone. Uh, the painting of Rand and Ishamael remains there, but something got thrown and Rand's face got torn. So this is what we find out. Elida knows Rand is back in the Westlands with the Aiel, but we don't know what her plan for him is. Mm-hmm. All the eyes and eye must return to the White Tower unless instructed otherwise. The eyes and ears of Terrabon are still quiet. White cloaks are still being called back to Amadisia by Pedro Nile, and Davram Bashir's whereabouts are still unknown, even though he has an army with them. So again, Saldea, for your reference, uh Tarvalon, Two Rivers. He was kind of going We've got this. some far corners in yeah. that here. Um when they return to the waking world, Elaine's like, oh shit, Camelin was really empty. The palace was really empty. And I'm like, Ravine. What's um, happening? So there's like a little montage and uh, we find out a White Tower emissary is headed towards Saladar to offer uh, to offer a place at the White Tower back to the Saladar Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, Elida is still searching for Bashir and she has forbidden the name of Mazram Taim. A false dragon. 
Queen Tenobi of Saldea and King Esar of Shinar have both written to the White Tower saying, stay out of our business. Um, so they begin to figure out like how Nynaeve was doing what she was doing. And Nynaeve manages to channel a little bit of fire. She realizes that if you channel spirit and tell a ran around, you get knocked back to the waking world. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, she's starting to learn her ins and outs. And I think, too, she's starting to learn how to do it without just being angry. Yeah. We're, we're starting to get that, like, very subtly now that she's starting to learn more. She's starting to grow more. Which is very, very exciting to see. We love to see it. Um, so, Amis, uh So, okay, so I think El- Nynaeve has the Terangriel. Uh, Elaine has the ring. Mm-hmm. So this affects your appearance if you have the Terangriel. Nynaeve looks faded. Amis asks why Nynaeve looks like that. And Elaine almost snitches. She goes, well, Egwene, when you... And Amis and Egwene goes, anyway, did you know that Kuladin's Cal- uh, dead? And so she starts repeating herself because she thinks... Amis thinks Egwene is telling them this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Uh, Nynaeve is shocked that Kuladin was killed by Matt and that Matt's leading soldiers. Um, it is a bit of a whiplash, like, hold on, hold on say, say it again? <laughs> yeah. It's like, him? Egg? Him? <laughs> um, Elaine and Nynaeve push, uh, express concern over Rand pushing himself. He's training with Lan and the Aeol. He's ordering the lords and ladies about, and he's barely eating. And he's founded a school for scholars and craftsmen, um... Included in the invites are Kin Tover, who built the log tower, and a Kyrianan woman who invented the crossbow that was the spears that killed the Shida. Um, so he's yeah. building, he's building up stuff. There, there's, a, there's like a fun, like almost like a fun nod to to time in general of like this un- industrial is yeah. And we're seeing it, like, even in the two rivers of it, that it's it's growing and expanding. And, and again, just, like, an industrialness happening. Because I think Robert Jordan said, you know, everyone interprets Wheel of Time as medieval. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like before the invention of gunpowder, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's like, I forget what the specific time period. But I love in the show, it does look, you're right, like, early, like, 19th century, mm-hmm. like, not super dated, but a little like, oh, this is like 200 years ago. Just missing combustion. Yeah. Um, not steampunk. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, we find out that, uh, the shadow are retreating north, which is worrying. And some are going back over the dragon wall. Some Aiel have been sent south to Tyr. And... Amis doesn't know if Ruark really knows, but she's also like, you wouldn't lie to me. So I'm curious what about the Shido going north and what that means. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think that the Shido aren't operating as their own independent unit anymore. Mm. I'm starting to think that they themselves have been infiltrated by Dark Friends. Interesting. And that we are about to have, like, a union yeah. <laughs> of, of this Aeol uh, cl- uh, clan tribe. Clan. Aeol, a clan. And, and the, the, you know, because the light is up north, no? Yeah. Well, you know what else is also north? As someone who is maybe a little bit against Rand? Tarvalon. Shit, yeah. So, yeah, uh, they're here, and there's Tarvalon. Yeah, there you go. Vagina Island. There, Vagina Island. So, hmm. Do you think 
Uh, yeah. Do you think maybe we might get some uh, Shido in Tarvalon? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think they're going to have, like, you know, a common goal and, and shared power. It, it, it makes sense. It's very intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like maybe Elida will use the Shido against Rand. Yeah. So, good times. Um, so, um, their meeting ends. Uh, she, uh, Amis takes the Tarangriel from Nynaeve and says, I don't like the fact that you don't have to channel to use this. And then she gives it back to Nynaeve and then leaves. It Some implications. Yeah. Well, especially from somebody who's a bit more, you know, maybe not high-ranking on the power scale, but high-ranking as in steeped in knowledge. Yeah. She knows some stuff is up. And again, uh, especially concerning Egwene, <laughs> there, there, are, there are some ways to go with that. Yeah. Um, so, Nynaeve essentially kind of keeps them updated, skirting the truth a little bit to keep Egwene uh, from getting in trouble. Um... And then she says, like, the Saladar sisters will support Rand. Um, and then they bounce. Uh, Meese bounces. They go to Shiterium's study, and Egwene chews them out for nearly ratting on her. Mm-hmm. Says, like, there's a reason why I can't teach you. And uh, Nynaeve wakes up. And then Elaine wakes up later and says that in Elida's office, Shemarin, Shemarin? Uh, she was in the prologue, one of the Aes Sedai who collapsed when Elida brought up Rand. And Elida said, oh, you'll have to be punished. She's been demoted down to accepted. Oh. And so the chapter ends with the boat arriving in the vicinity of Saladar. And a sort of Gilligan's cut appears when they're like, how will our reception be? And then he's like, well, with what we bring and all that, I think, I think they'll be kissing us by the end of the day. Oh, man. And now we are at our last chapter, chapter 50, to teach and learn. The chapter symbol is the Aes Sedai. Um, after a warm reception by Min, Nynaeve and Elaine were not kissed. In fact, Shiriam, Anaya, Bayonin, Carlinia, Morvan, and Mirel, and Swan and Leanna are nearby, have emptied out their purse uh, and ha- are just looking at everything. Uh, and so... Nynaeve can tell that Swan and Leanne have been stilled. Like, she can sense the power, but, like, she's very curious, wants to study. She even reaches out, and Shiriam is like, uh, did I say you could channel? <laughs> it's really interesting. They're now knocked back to being treated like accepted. There's, there's a new power shift. There's a new dynamic. And, and, again, it's upsetting the history that used to be and bringing in this new history that will be. Yeah. You know, between, like, it's, it's a fun dynamic to play with because, you know, you've got these kids, you know, the Emmonsfield Five a bit, that are kind of the uh, the spark of, like, this new age, this new, you know, prophecies yes. are being fulfilled and stuff. And during that, you had these people that were steeped in their positions in history. Yeah. And since they came along, everything has been upset. Yeah. Like, everything has changed. Nothing yeah. is the same. And nothing will will be the same, I don't no, think. No, they're in Saladar, thousands of miles away from the epicenter of the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of trying to, stru- like, start anew. Yep. Um, so, uh, they're, the, uh, the, I'm calling them the Saladar Six, because it's just easier. Oh, that's a great Western. Oh, thank you. I'm writing that now. Uh, they essentially get caught up on what Swan did with the letters of leave. They're like, you sent three accepted to chase uh, the Black Aja. And Swan's like, I didn't know who I could trust. <laughs> it sounded better in my head. Exactly. 
And, you know, they say, okay, well, Gareth Bryn will need this. Um, they are fascinated by the fact, uh, oh, well, we find out the uh, seal to the Dark One's prison that Nynaeve had is broken. And it doesn't help. There's only three left. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's a certain countdown happening. <laughs> and we're only on book five. Yes. Um, they are very fascinated by Teleranriod and the Dreamwalkers. And they're like, great, so you can get into contact with Moraine and Egwene. More importantly, Rand, so we can influence him. And it's like, he won't like that. Yeah. He won't like it. Yeah. We're all talking about the same Rand. Yeah, it's like, okay. You, you know who he is. That's a cho- that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Nynaeve notices there's a chill between Swan and Lyanna. Um, so they aren't going to be punished because, like, it's kind of like... What's what done we is do? done. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and then they're told, okay, uh, you're not punished. But you are going to teach us how to use this stuff. And so... Whew. No, it is, It is again, like, the, just the power dynamics are yeah. the same but different. There's a there's a, a sinister air to all of this now. The, the tower is changing and nobody's quite playing by the same rules anymore. Yeah. I mean, there is still a little bit of hearkening trying to keep that familiarity with the White Tower, but it's... They don't have an Omerlin. Yeah, there's 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 a facade of order, but if you're there, you, you see that it's it's a free for all. Yeah, and I mean Tom even says a little bit later because uh, what happens is they go into the other room where Tom, Julian, Brigida, the three Nicola, God, there's so many. Merrigan and Ariana are waiting, mm-hmm. and then uh, Elaine says she wants to talk to Min, and then Phelan comes in. And kind of just, as, like, first thing she says to Nynaeve and Elaine are just dragging them. And then Elaine says, are you still souring milk for a hobby, Phelan? Elaine's got a mouth. It's great. Um, I'm and, taking notes. Oh, yeah. Um, so Phelan takes Ariana and Nicola to test to see if they have the spark. And she essentially kind of says, fuck y'all, to Merrigan. Um, Min notes that Phelan is a nasty woman. You'd think if there was any justice, she would have an unpleasant future ahead of her. So Nynaeve wants to know what Min saw, but Julian, Tom, and Uno kind of take over, and they're like, we need to go. This is kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, they mean to depose Elida with Gareth Bryn. And this was mentioned a little bit earlier when we were with Rogue Blue, um, Gareth Bryn is one of the five great captains of the Westlands, mm-hmm. and the five are Gareth Bryn, Algamar uh, Jagad, Davron Bashir, Pedra Nile, and Rodel uh, Iturolde. Um, but yeah, uh, so Nynaeve is really hesitant to leave because she's like, I can learn to heal. Like, there, she says... Uh, she hopes to help Rand stave off his madness, and I just wrote, oops. <laughs> and then this kind of sums up Egwene really well. Uh, this sums up Nynaeve really well. There was too much that I said I were willing to call hopeless and let go at that to suit her. I think we've seen a, Nynaeve is relentless. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, how this tenacity there. Yeah, and I think that's very nice. Um, so Swan, Leanna, and Gareth Bryn come in, 
Elaine greets him and says, like, oh, hopefully things will be better with you and Mother. And Garrett's like, yeah, no. And then I want to read this out because he and Tom have a very pointed conversation. A very, uh, you can tell that they uh, were not exactly friends in Camelot. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, um. I think I know which one you're going for, in which case it gives us so much context. Uh, Bryn clapped him on the shoulder. Well enough. And you, Tom Marilyn. Tom had half turned away at the other man's approach, knuckling his mustaches and staring at the floor as if to obscure his face. Now he met Bryn's level stare with one of his own. I once knew a fellow with a name like you, much like yours, Bryn said, a skilled player of a certain game. I once knew a fellow who looked much like you, Tom replied. He, tr he tried hard to put me in chains. I think he'd have cut off my head if he ever laid hands on me. A long time ago, that would be. Men do strange things for women sometimes. Bryn glanced at Swan and shook his head. Will you join me for a game of stones, Master Marilyn? I sometimes find myself wishing for a man who knows the game well, the, game, the way it's played in lofty circles. Tom's bushy, white eyebrows drew down almost as far as Uno's had, but he never took his eyes from Bryn. I may play a game or two, he said finally. Once I know the stakes, as long as you understand, I don't intend to spend the rest of my life playing stones with you. I don't like staying too long in one place anymore. My feet itch sometimes. So long as they don't itch at the in the middle of a crucial game, Bryn told him dryly. The two of you come with me and don't expect much sleep around here. Uh, yeah. But I'm kind of... Did that, are you, did that set the wheels turning? Do you think now Bryn and Tom are going to be, like, buddies again? Or not buddies again, but, like... At least allies. Okay. Like, I think, you know, even if you don't like... Because they're, they're, they're a little bit older. Yeah. And they seem to be cut from the same cloth of duty and understanding the world a bit. Yeah. So I think there's an understanding of what they can do. And there's, like, a mutual benefit there. Right. So, definitely not, like, buddies. <laughs> uh, friends that won't kill each other. Exactly. Which, in this world, sometimes is just all you can ask for, I think. Yeah. And so, um, Gareth recruited Uno and the other Shinarns to help out with the army, and Uno kind of says, all right, sure. Yeah. Um, Leanna, Min, Uno, Tom, Gareth, and Elaine bounce, and once they're gone... Swan goes from meek to her normal, kind self. She tells Brigitte and Merrigan and her sons to find uh, Theodron, to find a place to sleep, and then turns on Nynaeve and kind of gets the, okay, so I don't have to channel to be able to use the ring. And Nynaeve says, yes. And Nynaeve says that she will teach her. And she, like, uh, she says, you will teach me and I won't tell the Saladar Six that you and Elaine posed as full Aes Sedai when you were out in the world. And Nynaeve goes, she then realizes that the coldness between Swan and Leanna was just an act mm -hmm. so, that, so that the Saladar Six would leave them alone. And she turns that on Swan and goes, fine, then I want to study you, Leanna, and Loghain. But, like, so if you tell, I'll tell them what you guys are doing. And so it's a really great, like, Nynaeve is getting more of a, understanding of like how to get what she wants with using her words rather mm -hmm. than she's learning that the power of an Aes Sedai doesn't have to be all channeling yeah it is that being able to bend the truth and speak the truth without people not assuming the truth yes <laughs> and I think it's great for her because you know she's not a great channeler like she's got some moves she can yeah. she can do it but 
there is some real power in this type of like political maneuvering, which is definitely going to pop up, especially because now they are effectively infiltrated in this group. Yeah. <laughs> and on the same side. And so the chapter ends. We have come to the end of this large section. Um, Elaine and Min are talking. Min is doing Gareth Brin's laundry. And Min said she had a viewing about Merrigan, Ariana, and Nicola, and that they are trouble. And Elaine just says, oh, they'll probably just, like, talk. You don't think so? No. Min's viewings are so strong. Like, you don't ignore them. Yeah. Like, and, and especially because, like, I think up to this point, you know, some of them are a little bit more obvious than others. Like, some of them, like, very much, you know, are very much aha moments. Like, yeah. you know, pairing with the falcon on his shoulder, stuff like yeah. that. But she's never really had a direct feeling about yeah. people too much. She's like, I see these things, and it could mean this. Or, like, this is weird. I've never had this before. But for her to have an intuitive watch out for these people is, uh, you know, just as uh, Nynaeve and her group are infiltrated in this group, so are they. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, it never stops. It never fucking stops. Yeah. And so they talk about who the third might be. It's so funny when Elaine's like, I don't know who this third woman could be. Avienda is watching over Rand. Like, it's like, it's Avienda. But they agree to be chill with Mm -hmm. each other. And the chapter ends with Elaine helping Min with the laundry as Min tells her how she got to Salador. So that is where we end before our season finale episode. So just a kind of reminder of where the major players are and what they're doing. Rand, Egwene, and Matt are in Kyrian. Uh, Egwene is still training with the Wise Ones to be a Dreamwalker. Matt now has an army at his disposal. Rand is working with the Kyrian and is operating from Kyrian with Aeol going south to Tyr and he's kind of leading the lords and ladies about mm-hmm. with the Tyr and lords still lurking. Moraine and Lan are not seemingly on good terms. Moraine's not talking to Rand at all. Um, Egwene and Elaine and uh, Rogue Blue. Uh, so in Saladar, uh, there's a, con- a consensus met. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is, what do you think holds in these last six chapters? It's all going to break okay. you've got these alliances you got these groupings you kind of got the it would have it would have almost made sense for this book to end two chapters ago right but it didn't no <laughs> so do you think someone will die Ooh. do you think it'll cause maybe do you think we'll see why men thought the three women were trouble right mm. Yeah, maybe not in Rand's camp, but definitely I think in uh, uh, Saladar right now. Yeah, I, I think we're we're going to this little group, this alliance we kind of have going. It's gonna break and scatter again. Yeah. It's gonna reignite some stuff. Um, if I had to put money on it, I think Swan is safe. I don't know about Leanne. Because mm. yeah. I think Swan has more. Is more of a player. Yes, I, I think just for the sake of like plot armor, she's gonna stick around for a little bit longer at the okay. very least. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Julian goes. Mm. I'd be very sad, but Aww. he seems to be in that pocket of like secondary beloved characters yeah. that a death could be very meaningful without killing one of your main players, right? Just from a narrative sense, so 
It's, it's definitely on the table. I, I don't think anyone's necessarily safe except for our uh, Emmons fielders. I, I think, you know, them, Lan, and Moraine at the very least are still still yeah. safe for this book. Do you think Nynaeve and Mogadian will have a face-off, or do you think it's kind of like a they've kind of gone to the opposite sides of the ring for mm-hmm. right now? They have, but there will be a re-meeting. They'll definitely have a rematch. In this book, or do you think we have maybe another book or two to go? I think we've got another book or two. Okay. We've got at least another book or two. Do you see anything happening with Matt and his army? Like, Or do you think it's just kind of like Matt's vibe and kind of going like, I don't want to be your general, and Talmanis and Nailson going like, please? I don't know, but I do know as soon as Matt thinks or says he's going to do something, I just have to know the opposite is going to happen. Yeah. I don't know, because like that, was, that one's an interesting, too, because I could see him kind of riding out with Rand as his right-hand man a little bit, you know, his his lieutenant as a general or something. I could also see Matt becoming entirely his own agent of some kind, yeah. you know, in his own force. Um, if I had to coin flip it, you know, like gut, you know, knee-jerk reaction... It makes more sense that we're gonna have a very large breaking of these factions. Um, okay. Perrin's already out of the picture of this yeah. group. You know, uh, Gwen and Rand are probably the closest right now in terms yeah. of proximity and on the same side. I think Matt is gonna have this reputation that's going to kind of give him these ideas, and I think he's gonna misstep a little bit. Okay. I don't think he's gonna be a bad guy, but I think he's gonna be a complication. All right. All right. <laughs> So that is an interesting... Those are some interesting <laughs> thoughts. Like, percentage-wise, how, how much did I get right? Like, percentage-wise. Yeah, yeah, like, just, like, a raw Zero. percentage. Okay, all right. And you know what? That's also... Actually, 50. Okay. That's the other thing I like, is no matter what I guess, there's always a more surprising... There's more to it. ...organic storytelling yeah. that we're going to get to, and... I really do think this this book entirely, like just leading up to our season finale, is probably my favorite in the series so far. Same. I really like Fires of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, you know, I, I'll have to revisit it when I read a few more books, but really feels like a bit of the backbone of the series at this point. Yeah, I feel like this is where um, Shadow Rising and Fires of Heaven feel like where the series really mm-hmm. starts. There's some really cool set pieces really being painted, really being put into motion. Yeah. That the first three and even the fourth one didn't do as much. And again, yeah. I, I think it's a handicap of the first three that they all feel a little bit like the same book. They could all kind of be the same book. Yeah. Um, they, they, they got some interesting stuff, and I think on a reread, they're going to be much more interesting. Ooh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now. All right. And so, won't you have to see how this all turns out? <laughs> Read and find out. Yeah. Um, we want to thank you all for coming out. If you are listening to the clean and polished version and you want to join us on, for our live shows, come join us. We are live every Tuesday. Eric, where can they find us? Yeah, we are on Instagram and Twitter at loyal underscore S on Twitter and Instagram. May you always walk in the light. And may you always find water and shade. You guys have a good one. See ya.